This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to another episode of the SI Boxing Podcast. On this episode, and we've got a really good show lined up for you, Kevin Ioli, the senior boxing writer over at Yahoo Sports. Kevin is also the MMA writer over at Yahoo, so he has a unique perspective on boxing's issues, especially when contrasted with some of the things MMA, specifically the UFC, are trying to do. So I talked to Kevin about UFC's plans to get back into big events as early as mid-April and what that could mean for the future of boxing. Will boxing try to follow the UFC's lead? Plus, Conor McGregor, his plans for a future in boxing, and Ryan Garcia, just how big a star can Ryan Garcia be? So stick around for that. It's a really good conversation. A little bit later on, Terrence Crawford, the welterweight champion, he joins me on the line. And Terrence, he's another guy that's just kind of waiting to see what happens, but Terrence is also waiting to see What happens with Errol Spence? Terrence has been talking to Errol Spence. We dive into that conversation between the two of them in my discussion with Terrence Crawford. So stick around. Great show. A lot of good guests. A lot of good topics. A lot to get into this week. Quick housekeeping note. If you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Post a comment. Leave a rating. It's simple. It's easy. It's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right. Onto my conversation with Kevin Ioli. All right, Kevin Ioli is here. Yahoo Sports, boxing, MMA writer, quarantined in a city that, Kevin, I bet Las Vegas, this is probably as quiet as you've ever seen Las Vegas in all your years of living there, isn't it? I have lived here for over 30 years, Chris, and I could drive on this trip at three in the morning and it would be a lot more people than are here now in the middle of the day. It is a ghost town. Uh, there was the New York Times had a map the other day of people who were driving around, and Las Vegas was one of the best in the country. People are not driving, so I give uh, my uh, fellow Las Vegas residents credit that uh, we are quarantining. We are following all orders. You know, I, Kevin, I don't want to make this podcast all about when will boxing come back, but. Living in Las Vegas, I mean, you certainly talk to people out there that are part of the, the whole process. I mean, what sense do you get from, you know, Vegas officials, uh, Bob Bennett at the Nevada State Athletic Commission, casino owners about when business could resume in Las Vegas? You know, they are going to want to go hard once they get back. But getting back is going to be the key, Chris. And my guess is we're not going to be looking in Nevada at the absolute earliest August 1st. And I think probably maybe more likely September 1st. I think they're going to want to be as cautious as possible with this. So I don't think we're going to see fights coming in the summer. I really don't. I think it's going to be a fall uh, type situation. Wow. I mean, how devastating would that be for for Vegas. I mean, I mean, that's a city that, you know, effectively the entire source of revenue is tourism and people coming through casinos. Yeah. And I mean, how bad is it going to get? 
I mean, Chris, it's terrible. I mean, I, I remember in uh, the crash of 08 uh, how bad it was, and it was really bad. A lot of people lost their jobs. Home values went down. The value of my own home went down so far that it's never actually recovered totally. It, it went way back up, but it never recovered where it was at the peak in, say, 07. Um, so, you know, this is going to be devastating to Las Vegas. But Governor Sisolak, who I think has done a great job, uh, he made a point the other day. He said, you know, if I if I worry about the economy, I won't have any people to you know, make an economy. So I have to save lives first. That's most important. And he said the casino people understand that. So they're going to do everything possible so that when people decide to come back to Las Vegas and if they have any money to come to Las Vegas, they know that they can do it safely. Yeah, I think that's part of it too, as you mentioned. I mean, there'll be a safe time to come back to Las Vegas. And there'll be a time that people can come back with discretionary income that they can spend right. uh, in Las Vegas. All right, so there's a few things I want to get to with you, Kevin. One is going to touch on uh, your other job covering UFC and mixed martial arts because, look, as we look at when combat sports come back, you have to look at what UFC is trying to do. And that's Dana White, who says he is – I don't know if he said he bought an island or is renting an island, whatever the hell he's doing with a private island. And the intention is to hold major UFC events, week-to-week events uh, on that island. Um, what do you know about Dana White's plans? And, and I guess, what do you think of it as far as how effective it could be in bringing MMA back first? Well, let's clarify, first of all, Chris. So the island is going to be for international fights because he's going to have trouble getting fighters from outside the U.S. in the country. So he got this island that were fighters who were internationally based who can't get into the U.S. will fight on those cards. So those are going to be separate from UFC 249, which is going to happen somewhere in the United States. Now, a lot of us have heard where it's going to be. It hasn't been officially confirmed yet, so I won't say. Uh, I don't want to speculate until I know for sure, but there is going to be a place in the United States where UFC 249 is going to be held as as of right now as we record this on April 18th. Um, so the fighters are on board. They sign contracts. They have a full 12-fight card. That fight, and then he's going to set up camp at that particular venue and do four weeks in a row of shows from there. So if they start and there's nothing happens between now and April 18th, they will have UFC 249 on that date, and then they will go from there four consecutive weeks in a row. The island will probably not come into play till May, maybe even June. So what's your understanding of how Dana is dealing with the safety issues in all this? Most notably, uh, at current present, there is a lack of testing out there. And I would think that's the biggest issue. Ha having covered the NBA, right. Kevin, I know they're not coming back until there is widespread testing to the point where it's like available by walking into a CVS or ordering off Amazon. How is Dana White dealing with that? He's not giving much information, and that's one of the things that unsettles some people who who are not really thrilled about him doing this. Um, you know, he said yesterday that everybody will be tested. Don't worry, we take safety seriously, and we did long before the coronavirus. But he's not addressing specifically what's going on. Um, he did say that everybody who is going to be in there is going to get tested. So let, let's just assume who that is going to be. They have some kind of venue where the fighters are all going to be staying and the staff is going to stay and the, the production people and all that type of stuff. So there's going to have to be some kind of restaurant open. You have to think there's going to have to be some kind of housekeeping people there that are going to be in there so that, that work for this place, wherever it is, that are going to have to be there. So you're going to have to test all those people. You're going to have to test all the UFC staff. You're going to have to test athletic commission people who, you know, I'm assuming it's going to be a tribal uh, commission that's going to regulate this, uh, any referees that want to come in, the judges, uh, the doctors, all of these people, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to have to be tested. Uh, Dana said there will be media invited. It's not going to be open media, but there will be some media invited to the event. So we have to assume since they're partners with ESPN, that ESPN media will be there. And then beyond ESPN, we don't know who it's going to be. So there's going to be an enormous amount of people that are going to be tested. What I heard, they're going to put people in a lot of tents and that there's going to be people not necessarily side by side. So, you know, maybe they'll have the cut men in one tent and they'll have the doctors in another tent, and, you know, and have it set up so that their people are segregated from each other that way. You're, Kevin, one of the most prominent MMA writers out there. If you're invited, will you go? Yes, I will go. I mean, I just think that it is... Uh, 
you know, I, from a personal health standpoint, I don't want to go because I feel like, you know, it's going to, I'm 60 years old, it's going to put my health at risk. But I feel the news story would be such that if, if I am invited and they agree to let me go, I will go. So, you know, how do you think that impacts what could happen with boxing in the next couple of months? Because if UFC can effectively pull off a show and it goes off without a hitch, boxing can do the same. I mean, they're not similar sports and no. how they're performed, no. but they're similar sports in the number of people that can be present for each one. The amount of money that UFC is spending to pull this off, Chris, is going to be enormous, right? I mean, obviously, you know, we don't know exactly where the show is going to be. Forget the island for the time being. Let's focus on the U.S.-based cards. Obviously, he's got to get a hotel somewhere, that a shutdown hotel that is going to put, where he's going to have to have beds for all these people to sleep in and all that. So he is renting out an entire hotel. He is flying people on private jets from where they live into this place. There's no boxing. The margins in boxing are so much smaller. There's no boxing promoter that can afford to do that. So that is never going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Dana certainly has more money at his disposal than even a Bob Arum or, you know, a good Oscar De La Hoya when it comes to uh, putting on these events. What, what is interesting, though, and you said this uh, on a tribal res- reservation, Indian reservation, I think, Kevin, those are going to be the first sites that boxing look to when it ultimately can come back. I think if you look at Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods or any of the smaller right. casinos that we see so many show boxes at, they're going to have a little bit more flexibility to do some things because they're not necessarily beholden to what, say, the Connecticut State Athletic Commission uh, does in the case of Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun. They generally right. abide by what that commission says, but they're not, I don't believe they're restricted to it. So I think those are the spots to watch as this pandemic starts to proceed a little bit, how quickly they open up. Because to your point, they're probably going to open up a lot quicker than we yes. see Las Vegas open up. Yeah, I would think, you know, where I think we're going to see a lot of fights, say, in Oklahoma. There's a lot of casinos in Oklahoma, and I and so you have the tribal land there. And I think you'll see those kind of things happen. Um, as I understand it, and this is unconfirmed, but that uh, the UFC looked to go to Oklahoma and, and nobody was interested at this point. You know, there's just too many variables. Uh, I, again, not confirmed, but I believe that to be the case. Um so I, but I agree with you, Chris. I think there's going to be a lot of those kind of venues that are going to get the shows first because, you know, even though everybody's going to want to go into Las Vegas and have the first show in Las Vegas, we don't know when Las Vegas is going to open up. And I think that the Nevada Athletic Commission is going to be very cautious and very strict when they do. And there'll be a little more leniency uh, in, in the uh, tribal uh, land. So I think that's what will happen. All right, so on a lighter topic, but still connected to UFC, uh, Conor McGregor is once again making noise about being a boxer once again. He is uh, arguably the most popular combat sports athlete in the world. Uh, his notoriety. I don't is even think it's arguably. He, no question is. No question no. he is. Yeah. I, I guess you know. I guess you throw the Canelo AJs in there, but no, McGregor is certainly at the top of that list. Um, you know, how serious should we take this? Not how serious should we take Conor McGregor, the boxer. But how serious should we take Conor McGregor's desire to be a boxer? I, I think he does want to box. There's no question about it. But he also uh, wants to get back to where he had been in uh, MMA, which is at the top. And not just one of the better fighters in the world, but the best fighter in the world. Um, and so I look at this and I think it's not set up for him to box because if this pandemic had not occurred, he was going to be fighting the winner of Tony Ferguson and Habib Nurmagomedov in uh, the fall. That would have been his next fight. He would have fought the winner. Uh, so now it's going to be that's going to push him back a little bit. Uh, there was talk that he might have fought Justin Gaethje, who now is going to be the one fighting Tony Ferguson in July, and then he would have been able to slide into that uh, title fight uh, later in the year. So he still was focused on fighting in the UFC. So I think you'll see him take a fight probably at 170 pounds in the UFC once they get back up and going. Connor has been very outspoken. You should know this. Uh, he called for Ireland to do a lockdown. He he, he put out a video. He spoke to the political leaders uh, in Ireland and, and, and begged them to shut down the country and, to, and he begged his uh, fel- fellow Irish citizens to stay indoors to try to battle the uh, coronavirus. So, you know, I don't think because of his stance, he is going to be fighting anytime soon. But when he does come back, you know, he's going to be looking to pursue that lightweight title. Given the fact that there's going to be two fights 
the one going on on April 18th, and then uh, Habib will fight the winner of that. I think Connor's not going to be looking at a title fight till next year. So if he comes back this year, I believe he will come back in a welterweight UFC fight. So I think boxing is going to be on the back burner for him for quite a while. Do you think that McGregor actually believes he can be a high-level boxer or he believes he can make a ton of money uh, as you know the foil to a high-level boxer? 100% I know he believes he can make a lot of money. He says he believes he can be a high-level boxer. I think Connor is a smart guy and he understands that the you know these guys have been doing this all their lives and that you know the the thing is this isn't to make fun of an MMA fighter. They train different things and and the the stance in MMA is different. Strikes are thrown different ways and and he has to work on a whole range of of tactics whereas in boxing you just work on your hands and your footwork. And so it, it's totally foreign to him. It's almost like it's not quite starting over, but it's like as if you were a star softball player, and now you're going to say, "I'm going to go into play in Major League Baseball," even though the you know softball is coming at you from 45 feet fast. You know, it's a difference to have Garrett Cole throwing a you know a cutter at you. I mean, so it's a it's a big big difference. Um, I don't think that you know he he is believing that he's uh, the best boxer in the world but he is a guy that will try anything and he knows it will make a lot of money and he's proven he knows how to make money he's making money on his clothing line he's making a lot of money on his whiskey that he's selling uh you know clearly makes you know he, he's a million guarantee million draw in in mma when whoever he fights and if he has the right opponent like habib he did two and a half million uh sales for that fight with habib at ufc 228 so this is a guy that um you know, knows how to make money. He knows how to sell fights. And so, you know, I know he knows if he boxes, that it'll be big business and that, you know, he'll get a massive payday. The whiskey's not bad. I've tried it. Not too bad. Good. I, himself, I've uh, heard mixed reviews about it. I've read some review that savaged it. Uh, I don't drink, yeah. so I haven't had it, but, uh, you know, I, I've heard mixed reviews. It's, I, I do drink. I do drink regularly, and uh, it is a it is we not quite Johnny Walker few, Blue every now and then. <laughs> I never drink and write. I drink and edit, maybe never drink and write. Um, <laughs> so, you know what would you know what would dissuade Conor McGregor from uh, getting into boxing ever again? That would be getting in the ring with Canelo. Like there was that video that was out there where he punched a bag and shouted Canelo's name. I can't think of right. a worse idea for Conor McGregor, Kevin. No. Canelo Alvarez as a boxer would do some permanent damage to conor mcgregor that speed yes. and that power that that wouldn't be pretty you know i i wrote in my preview of the mcgregor um mayweather fight i said you know floyd's gonna sit there and let him go three or four rounds before he starts to throw punches and he's gonna play with them and that's exactly what he did i mean you know you saw that people have asked me about manny pacquiao fighting him that's not how manny fights Manny would have gone after him and Manny would have tried to knock him out. And Canelo, even at a different level, I mean, Canelo's bigger. You know, Manny would have had a huge, um, you know, experience edge. But, you know, Connor, you know, Connor's fast too, you know. But when you talk Canelo, you're talking about a, a big guy who is mean and who has extraordinary boxing skills. You know, arguably, I have him as the pound for pound best fighter in the world. You know, I know some people have Crawford, some people have Lomachenko, but Canelo is no worse than number three. And to go in with a guy in his prime who would love nothing better than just, you know, not only to beat you, but have you knocked unconscious uh, for 10 and beyond, uh, I think would be a mistake. Yeah, I think it'd be a mistake too, but... I mean, it would make a ton of money. It would be a huge event, and that might be his last fight at uh, in boxing if he decides to take on a Canelo Alvarez. It might um, be his last fight period if he does that. Yeah, that's just not a. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. Um, as we kind of look ahead a little bit, Kevin. I mean, eventually boxing is going to come back, and then you're going to have a lot of fighters that are going to be looking oh, yeah. to make uh, make some real money in the, in that span. I mean, do you think that one? I don't want to call it a benefit of this, but one uh, consequence. From the maybe we see bigger fights happen quicker because the real money for guys fighting once a year is going to be in a mega fight as opposed to one of those A side, C side events. Do you think that has, they'll have an impact? 
I do. And I think, you know, the fact that uh, Top Rank and PBC work together so well would say to me that, hey, there's a, a better chance of Spence and Crawford fighting each other as an example. One fight right there. Uh, the fight that you're trying to make, uh, you're trying to be the matchmaker on. I think you need to get licensed, uh, Charlo and, yeah, uh, and Andrade. I think that that's another fight. Uh, you saw you saw Demetrius kitted around on April Fool's. Uh, I, I think he had me uh, fooled there for a second. You know, when I saw big news coming, I thought, oh, boy, what is it? Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that is something that probably will happen because guys, hey, they missed the paydays. So if you if you know if you're like Spence and Crawford and you fight each other, it's almost like fighting twice on one night because you get that such, such a bigger payday. I think that is bound to happen. Um, you know, so that that's going to be a good thing from it. Yeah, and let it let the listeners understand. It was Kevin that brought up Charlo Andrade. I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it this time. It was. Uh, I, I still want it badly. I had, I'm having t-shirts made and we're ready to go. I'm going to start a petition and all that good stuff. Maybe start a GoFundMe, Kevin, for uh, extra funds to make that fight happen. But uh, Well, I got to get the $50 yeah, so you can it. get your matchmaker's license so you can make this fight legally. I don't think I could even call that fight. I'd be too giddy about it. I'd be sitting there ringside <laughs> being like, this is awesome. This is like Pacquiao Mayweather for me. I love this fight. Oh, Radio Al Rahim on. is ready to step in anytime. Don't worry. <laughs> He's ready. He's on standby right behind me, ready to roll. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess to follow up to that question is like what – I mean, we goof around about Charlo Andrade, but do you think that Crawford and Spence is realistic this year because of all that? Have, has this pandemic kind of made that fight perhaps more likely than not at this point? I, I do. I, I, I think it is likely to happen. Um, you saw the fighters, they were talking to each other online just recently. That's not new. They've been doing that for a while. But I think their the conversation was a little bit different. I, I think the PBC and top rank, whatever distrust was there, they realized they can work together now. Uh, they, they put together a great promotion on Wilder and Fury. I was frankly disappointed in the number of pay-per-view buys that it did. Um, and, and that, you know, that was, I have been... Um, a boxing, you know, just kind of really in favor of boxing, telling people how well it's doing and how well it was going to do. And that, that kind of pierced my bubble a little bit. Now, uh, you know, the fact that it did 750, 800, I thought it was going to do significantly more than that. And, the, and that was one of the best promoter fights. And what ESPN and Fox did was remarkable. And the fact that you couldn't get over a million with those two guys after their first fight with all the promotion that went on, that was troubling to me. I have to admit that. Um, but I still think that it's, that was a, you know, leftover from bygone days. You know, boxing promoters have kicked people in the teeth for so long and not given them the fights that they wanted. And they've teased them and all these issues that have come up that it's going to take more than just one fight and one great promotion to get it back to where it should be. I still believe in the product and I still believe that people will watch uh, if you give them a reason to. But the reason is you have to consistently put on these fights. And maybe the silver lining in this COVID-19 and this pandemic we're in is that it will teach boxing promoters that they have to do this and that they can't wait. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, if you're surprised that Fury and Wilder did as poorly as it did, the the easiest way to explain it is the fact that besides fighting each other, they really haven't had any high-profile fights. I mean, Fury against Klitschko was a big fight, but it took place overseas, so there really wasn't right. a U.S. promotional vehicle behind it. Uh, the first fight was great, but it was seen by 300,000-ish people on Showtime pay-per-view. Right. I mean... I say this all the time, Kevin, and I'm sure you agree. Like the the reason Manny Pacquiao is Manny Pacquiao is not because he's a knockout artist. It's because he knocked out, uh, you know, guys like Miguel Cotto, and he fought Antonio Margarito and had four great fights against Juan Manuel Marquez. Morales I mean, and Pereira, and yeah, go down the list. I mean, you are who you are who you fight, right? And if you spend your entire career fighting nobodies, and then all of a sudden you fight that one big fight. Don't be shocked when the numbers are extremely low because nobody's heard of you. Nobody's watched these right. fights outside of the boxing bubble because they're not interesting fights. You've got to build up to stuff like that. That's the thing that I think a lot of our colleagues, Chris, don't understand, you know, that they're, they're in this boxing bubble and guys are big to them because we understand, we follow, we follow the low level fights, let alone the bigger fights. And so we know how big they are relative 
to the sport itself, but you're outside it. And people who would be fans and had been fans maybe in a past life, if they're as old as I am, you know, they were fans at one point, but they got turned off by all the BS that go on. You know, they, they don't know who Wilder is now, or they don't know who Fury is now. And so they, they've lost that. And, you know, I, I hear people say, I get it on radio interviews. I do how many uh, sports talk radio interviews a week? And, and they all ask me, hey, you know, what's going on with Floyd Mayweather? Because they don't know anybody else in boxing, right? That is one of the issues that you know that has to be overcome and the way that's overcome it's doing what fury and wilder did they both promoted that fight great the promotion espn and fox did was tremendous and then you have to consistently fight the best fights and over time if you do that and you break down the barrier and you and, hey let, let's call it out too that was a horrific undercard it was an abomination and you're at what was it 75 dollars you were asking people to pay on that on that night you gave them yep. nothing to watch but one fight. And that was a mistake. And I think, you know, while um, it's expensive to put on a good undercard, I think it's a cost of doing business. And, you know, this is, you know, they're going to have to save in other ways. But I think that uh, everybody's going to have to cooperate in this. And I think, you know, some of the fighters are going to have to realize that the days of getting 100% of the license fee have to be over because if you want the business to grow, everybody has got to chip in. Yeah, you know the other part of uh, of all this with with fights fights coming back and boxing coming back is that you know the urgency to take on big fights is in part going to be because the dates for regular fights might not be there. Like I don't know if mm -hmm. you know if college football, NFL, NBA, the Masters, the French Open, Wimbledon. I mean, who like all these these sports events that have been shelved? US they're going Open? to need a platform. Exactly. I mean, just go down the list. They're going to need a platform to to put these shows on, and that could come at the expense of boxing dates. I mean, Fox might not get a Saturday date they were planning for boxing because it was going to something else. Same thing with ESPN. So if you're uh, you know trying to get a fight, you might have to make it a mega fight to force yourself to be put on that schedule. And Kevin, once you're on that schedule, one thing I think boxing, especially in the pay-per-view business, you can't charge $75. People, there are tens of millions of people now that are either without a job or have had their pay cut significantly right. or have been furloughed from their jobs. You cannot be a grade A dickhead and drowned and charge somebody 80 bucks for a, a mid-level pay-per-view and expect to get any kind of audience. If you do, you are incredibly short-sighted and trying to squeeze more water out of the stone than even boxing's right. ever tried to do before. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think that they have to go out. I, I think of this kind of like when the NHL had the lockout and they missed the Stanley Cup playoffs that one year and they went out. And what happened when they came back? You know, they changed the rules to be offensive. They required the players to be more, you know, media friendly. So at the time, you know, they, you know, they were interviewing guys during the game on the bench and, you know, and all those type of things happened. That's what boxing is going to have to do. And I think one of the things that I referenced when I talked about the license fee, hey, I understand the dilemma a promoter is in. You know, how does a promoter make their money. So what, back in the days when it was Showtime and HBO, they would get a license fee, say, you know, $4 million to put on a fight or $3 million to put on a fight. And the A side of that promotion would take almost all of that money. So then they would get, you know, the revenue would be ticket sales and sponsorship. And it was difficult, you know, to, to make, make it all work out. And only the really big pay-per-view fights were the ones that, you know, they, they could make money on. I think now, you know, the fighters are going to have to tamp down their financial expectations and say, you know, that take a little bit less and that you can live on a million dollar purse, you know, that uh, it's not, you know, it's not bad money. Uh, and that uh, have to tamp those financial expectations down. And then the promoters have to sit there and say, we have to make sure we get a very good product. And this is where, you know, you don't put appearance fights on and you don't put guys and say, I want to showcase this young star challenge that young star and have those kind of fights where you know top to bottom people are going to go oh my god because i said this back you know and i i remember uh sports illustrated when you, you wrote a cover story uh you called mayweather de la jolla the fight to save boxing and i had written both before and after that came out i had recommended to richard schaefer who was promoting that show at the time i said put rafael marquez and israel vasquez on that undercard. I said, because people are going to see that fight and go, holy shit. And if this is what I've missed in boxing. And you knew that was going to be hit, but they put it on HBO because they got the license fee for that. And then, you know, we, we know what happened from there. I think if you put that on and fights that the matchmakers know, my God, this is going to be good. Put it on an undercard, like let, let's say in a way in Casamero, right? That was going to be its own fight. 
If you put that on, say, a Crawford and Spence undercard, you're taking away a main event slot, but somebody watches that for the first time and they go, holy shit, look at these guys. And you do that and you rebuild the business from the ground up. And I think then you can attract more sponsorship dollars, you attract more viewers, you create a bigger audience for boxing. I know a lot of MMA fans would be interested in boxing, but what did they say when Fury Wilder came up? Lousy undercard, way too high price. But if you cut the price and you increase the quality, you might dig into some of them too. And if you make the pool of fans bigger, it's only good for everybody. Completely agree. And I think that, you know, beyond the linear outfits and, you know, pay-per-view, I think that's something DAZN is going to have to do as well. Only because, I mean, look, they're not beholden to dates in the way that networks are with other programming, right. but uh, there's only so many weeks left in the year and you got a lot of fighters out there that want fights. So I think you have to get away from you know, these C-level cards that are feature, you know, let's use Virgil Ortiz for an example. Great fighter. Virgil Ortiz, love him, huge prospect. But I don't think I need to see Virgil Ortiz, Samuel Vargas headlining anything. I think that can be combined right. with another show and make that show even better. You could have a fight where you have, let's use Canelo. Let's say whenever Canelo comes back, even if it's against Golovkin, put a couple of top prospects, put Ryan Garcia there, put Virgil Ortiz there. And like expose these guys to an audience that is maybe never seen them before. I think it's an, in a way it's an opportunity, right, for them to right. to get more eyeballs uh, attracted to them. I think if you go back and you know go one of the exercises I like to do is I like to go back to Boxrec and I I click on a big fight, you know, let's say an Ali fight, right? And you click on it and you look at what the undercard of that fight was, and you see some of the people that fought on those undercards back in the day in the eighties. It was unbelievable a lot of times. Let's go back to that and let's get to that point where the cards are deep and, and that we're not putting on these shows where, you know, everybody show. It's an embarrassment. I live in the, what's considered the fight capital of the world. And, uh, and I, uh, half an hour before Fury Wilder, the arena was empty. And then the last couple of minutes, everybody starts streaming in and, and it fills up right before the fight. But that should be that way earlier, but you're not giving them a reason to come in. You know, so they're out in the casino, they're eating dinner, they're gambling and everything, and they come in at the last minute. Um, and I think you have to give them a reason. So I, I, I think boxing, it, it's not the product, it's the way the product is presented and offered to the public. And, uh, you know, I think they have to reimagine what they're doing. And if they do, you know, it's going to work. Um, but you, you're, you're exactly right. Dates are precious, even for somebody like DAZN. Immediate coverage is precious. That free media is going to help you, and it's going to be stretched thin because, you know, the, uh, for, in my case, you know, I'm going to have UFC. I'm going to have all the boxing promoters out there. I'm going to have Bellator, you know, hitting on me. Hey, I, we have this event coming up. That's great for me, and I'm happy for it, but I'm only one person. And just like, you know, you are and everybody else that's in this, and so we, you know, you're going to really have to give the media a reason to want to dig into your event and cover your event. And it's going to be critical to help in this time where there's a cacophony going on. You know, you want to sound above that. And so I think you're 100% right. Give the media a reason to want to write about you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Free media is going to be hard to come by in the fall. There's just going to be too much going on. I mean, even for sports like the NBA, free media is going to be hard to come right. by. If, you have, if you're going up against these huge golf tournaments and tennis tournaments in the months of September, October, November, it's going to be, it's going to be the Wild West out there when it comes to, to sports at that point. Let me ask you, Kevin, uh, last thing. You know, Sergio and I talk a lot about Ryan Garcia because we've had a bird's eye view of Ryan over the last couple of fights. Really looks spectacular. Uh, Ryan's out there now talking a lot of game, you know, going after Gervonta Davis, you know, calling out most of the big names of the lightweight division. Um, how do you perceive Ryan Garcia from a talent perspective? And, and what do you make of the, you know, all the, the nonsense he's talking right now towards Gervonta Davis? Is it just rhetoric or is he maybe biting off a little more than he could chew? You know, I think if Gervonta Davis, Chris, were fighting on a regular basis, it would be, uh, a death sentence for Ryan Garcia at this point of his career. I think Ryan Garcia has got a lot of talent, um, but he's a guy that I don't think was matched the way I would have liked to have seen a match on the way up. The genius of Bruce Trampler always was, you know, he, did, he didn't put you in fights that necessarily you were going to lose, but he would make you struggle a little bit and he would make you see different styles. So, you know, I think of Floyd Mayweather on the way up and Bruce knew at one point he was going to fight the 
Diego Corrales. So what about uh, Tony Pep, who was a tall, thin guy who had a similar style to Corrales. And Floyd saw left-handers, and he saw guys that would give him different looks. And, and Ryan Garcia didn't have that. You know, Golden Boy tried to make Ryan Garcia into a star before he had really emerged. And, and Ryan is a genius himself at promoting. And, he, you know, he's done a wonderful job on his Instagram page. He's a good-looking kid. He's well-spoken. And so Every, I understood the need to try to bring him into a start, but he wasn't matched appropriately. So he's fighting guys that you and I would have had a chance to be, right? And as, you know, not saying I would have won him, but we would have had a chance. You a better chance than me, of course. But um, <laughs> I saw you I saw you against Marquez and you look great. But uh, Ooh, so, you know. 12 years ago. All, all, those, all, those, all those things, you know, said, I think Ryan has talent. And I think Eddie Reynoso has proven his ability as a trainer by the way he held down. I think Trevante Davis is too much for him now, but going back to what I said a couple of minutes ago, you know, you might have to jump in the deep end because there's not going to be a lot of options for you available. If you want to be at that top level, those are the kind of fights you're going to have to take. Yeah, I, I think Linares' fight will be a good barometer for where Ryan Garcia is. Linares is still a very good fighter. Uh, yes, but he when is. he loses, as we know, as we know, when Linares loses, he gets knocked out. So he's susceptible to the big shot. And Ryan's got that in his arsenal. I think if he gets through, that's why I think the timing could work out. I mean, presumably we'll see Gervonta Davis against Leo Santa Cruz whenever we come back. I think Gervonta wins that one easily. I don't think Santa Cruz, even at 130, Santa Cruz, I don't think would cause him many problems. Too old uh, if too both slow, those guys opinion, get, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. If both those guys get through those fights, um, I'd love to see that earlier. And look, I think there's some momentum there. I think Ryan's reached a stage in popularity where Gervonta probably looks at him and says, look, I think I can beat him, and it's probably going to make me a lot of money to do it. It's not the same, like, it's not a Tevin Farmer type of situation or or something else. I think that's a, a fight that's makeable when you consider the politics of it all. I agree with you. No, I, I think it is makeable, and I think it probably will get made at some point. And I, I think, you know, the Lenaris fight is a good fight if that fight doesn't, you know, go off as scheduled. Lenaris reminds me of Ken Norton back in the day. So Ken Norton is in the Hall of Fame, but who is Ken Norton's greatest victory over, right? I mean, we think of Ken Norton, you know, other than the the uh, loss, uh, the win over Ali, we think of him for his losses, you know, the great fight with Larry Holmes that he lost, um, and the, the other two fights with Ali that he lost. He was that kind of guy, he would lose to the absolute best, but only the absolute best beat him. So George Foreman would beat him, and Ali would beat him, but then mo the rest of the guys he would beat. So he was kind of like, and I think that's where Lenaris stands today in this lightweight division. you got some young talent like Devin Haynes and Teofimo Lopez, and you have an established guy like Lomachenko, and, and there's a lot of good fighters out there. And so Linares is about, you know, hey, he knocked down Lomachenko to be a good fighter to knock him down, right? He gave Lomachenko a good fight. That tells you something about him. And I think he's just one of the guys, Chris, that uh, is a perfect fighter for what I'm talking about for Ryan Garcia. I think that's a really good fight for him to take. Yeah. By the way, speaking of... Uh that uh the, the of ali how about that bullshit from the world boxing super series mike tyson beats ali in a simulated game no oh, way if that ever happened tyson would win that fight tyson tyson himself would tell you that i mean again i i said this uh, and so people i said it one time before and people freaked out because they didn't understand what i mean why is tyson a hall of famer it's not because of who he beat did he beat Lennox Lewis? No. Did he beat Holyfield? No. He lost most of his best fight. Tyson obviously was the iconic figure in boxing. He was the youngest champion ever. He was the biggest draw. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, and Mike was an extraordinary, extraordinarily talented guy, but Mike didn't have that string of wins like a Holyfield had or, you know, some other guy. And total BS, total, absolute BS. Tyson, no way would have beaten. Uh, Winky Wright, who did Winky Wright knock out in that thing? He had a, a win that I kind of did. Was oh, it, yeah. uh, it wasn't Sugar Ray Rock. Maybe it was Sugar Ray. Yeah, he knocked out Sugar Ray Leonard. Dumb game. Come on. Dumb game. Don't even, don't even do that stuff. Uh, Kevin, always appreciate it, man. Stay healthy out there in Vegas, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon as this, uh, this slow, slow news cycle continues here in boxing. I, lo I love the new look, by the way, Chris. Thanks. There you go. Doing what I can here at the, the Short Hair Society. Everybody is imitating me these days. Absolutely. Kevin, appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother.
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Terrence Crawford is here, the welterweight champion of the world. He is, I assume, just relaxing in Omaha right now as you uh, deal with this quarantine life. What's uh, quarantine life like for you, Terrence? Man, it really ain't no different than any other day. You know, um, I really too much don't do too much or nothing. But at the same time, I ain't locked up in the house either. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. How's your family deal with with kind of you got young kids too i mean how do they deal with kind of having to be stuck at home and not able to go out as much they get to go out i ain't mm-hmm. locking my kids up in the house i'm <laughs> trying to tell you like like we not i'm sorry but i'm not tripping or worried about this this stuff like everybody else so it's different you know what why do you say that what's uh what, what's your feelings on all this now uh i don't feel like a lot of all these people that they saying dying and sick from it is actually true. You know, I think they using fear to try to control us right now for something else. I don't know what it is, but you know, me personally, I just can't agree with a whole bunch of things that they saying right now. What part of it? Because I mean, you see the stuff on TV. I mean, New York seems like it's pretty bad. You're a guy that's in New York a lot. You got to think the media runs the world. Mm. So you put anything on the media, then everybody's going to run with it. Then it's just going to travel so quick. And then now you got a whole bunch of people scared, you know. But my thing is this. If it was so bad, like they say it was, then why they got people out there working on the streets and stuff? Why they got Mm. people up all the trash? You know, why they got all these people still working, but you only can have takeout? You Mm. know, it's a whole bunch of questions that I need to have, that I need answers for. You mm-hmm. know, what about police officers that's all the way, always out here? You know, me as an officer, if it was that bad, I'd be like, hey, I'm sorry, but I got to be home with my family. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey. <laughs> so I just don't agree with it, a whole bunch of stuff that they're saying. Well, you see police officers in New York, I mean, they're they're catching it. I mean, it's there's like, I think, a thousand maybe police officers in New York City that have have caught this virus yeah but they said that it, it really don't affect the healthy uh individuals just the elderly ones with 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 problems like asthma or you know uh breathing disorders and stuff like that so but that's like any any uh cold or flu you know you got to protect the ones that have body issues like overweight obesity you mm-hmm. know things like that uh, it definitely affects the the elderly and the people with 
underlying conditions there. Do do you know anybody that has been affected by this? Uh, no. I, well, one of one of our friends, she actually said that she had it, but she's doing better now. So mm-hmm. that was the only person. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. Um, you know, you're a uh, as you kind of look towards your your boxing career. Do you? I mean, you were scheduled to fight, or at least penciled in to fight sometime in June, July. Uh, when you talk to your management team and to top rank, what are they telling you now? I don't talk to them about it. We had one conversation about it. But, uh, when the world picks back up mm-hmm. and gets back to this normalcy, then we're going to do our thing. Mm-hmm. So you don't... I- Chilling right now, and I'm enjoying the, the time with my family and, you know, just the the time at home to lay back and chill. Are you anxious at all to get back into the mix? Uh, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not anxious. I'm ready. I'm ready. But I'm not anxious because I know everything happens in time. So the right time will uh, come and I'll be ready. So you, I mean, without the ability to kind of go to a traditional gym or do most of the things you've been able to do, um, you have your own gym in your house? No, I have my own boxing gym. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't have them problems. I got mm-hmm. everything in the gym. You know, mm-hmm. treadmill, uh, bikes, stairmasters, Jacob ladders. You know, mm-hmm. all, whatever you need, I got it. So I don't. So are you are you able to go? Like, do you go still train like every day? I mean, how does your work day go? Yeah, I train every day. I just mm-hmm. uh, left the gym not too long ago. Probably like an mm-hmm. hour ago. Mm-hmm. How uh, how close would you say you are to being like kind of in fighting shape? Like, if you got a call for six weeks from now, would you be able to do it? Uh, six weeks, yeah, I'd be mm-hmm. able to fight six weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that I'm like in boxing shape because I'm not. I'm actually not, you know, sparring or doing anything like that. But uh, give it six weeks, I. Most likely be ready, yeah. You're one of those those big stars, Terrence, where when you fight, you draw pretty big crowds that are out there. There's a lot of talk in boxing about how when boxing eventually comes back, it'll first come back with fights behind closed doors with no crowds. How do you feel about that? If, they, if that was brought to you, we can do a fight for you, but there would be no crowd there. How would you react to that? Well, I haven't, I haven't heard of that yet. But at the same time, if if it was to happen, then they have to pay me more. Mm. You know, they have to pay me more because uh, fighters of my status and on my level, we get paid for the people that's coming there as well. So, mm. you know, if I can't get paid off of people coming, then I'm going to have to get paid up front. Mm. Well, if they... If they couldn't pay you, or if they couldn't pay you more, would you be comfortable sitting out for as long as it takes to get people back in these buildings? For sure, hmm. for sure. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay me. You know, to go up there and you know do what I do because it ain't free. Just like people gotta pay, you know, to do anything else in the world. You know, you gotta pay us fighters because you know hmm. we taking a big risk and and health. Uh, risk at, at the same time you know you can't play boxing you know one false move and you can be six feet mm-hmm. no I no question I, I just the state of California for example said that you know and they were making the comment about the NFL they said that there can't be they basically said there probably won't be fights in stadiums in the NFL until Thanksgiving so if it's like Thanksgiving, would you wait that long to fight? Uh, I'm going to have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to have to. You know? But at the same time, I'm going to be ready. Like I said, whatever it is, I'm going to be ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the, the only – so the only alternative would be to take less money to fight behind closed doors. And you're just saying you, you're not ready to do that. No, nah, I ain't ready to do all that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't take less money. You know, uh, almost my whole career. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I knew where I was, where I was trying to go and what I was trying to accomplish. So, you know, uh, we 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 passed that part. 
Would you be willing to sit out the entire year if it meant they couldn't do fans and stands? Well, that's like I said, that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. You know? mm-hmm. I know, you know, us fighters, we don't want to do that. But if that's what it came to, then, you know, like I said, it has to happen. It has to happen. Mm-hmm. One of uh, Errol Spence did an interview recently. And one of the things I thought was interesting is that he said that you guys talk, you know, whether it's via text message or communication. I mean, how often do you guys talk to each other? I wouldn't say we talk like that, but I uh, hit him up a couple of times, and you know, uh, we we got on the Facetime and spoke briefly. Mm-hmm. What was that conversation like? Nothing. It was just you know us talking about making a fight. That was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And I told him I was gonna fuck him up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says kind of the same thing about you. Is that just talk, or is that? I mean, how real is that? No, it's, it's real, you know what I mean? Like, I I truly feel like when we fight, I'm going to fuck him up, you know, mm-hmm. and he feel the same way. So that's why, you know, it makes for a great fight. You got the two mm-hmm. top welterweights in the division telling the media that they're going to fuck each, each <laughs> one up, you know. So uh, let's see who's, who's telling the truth at the end of the day. The last time you and I spoke, Terrence, one of the things you said was that, look, Top Rank and and PBC and Fox and ESPN are working together, so if they can work together for Fury versus Wilder, why can't they work together for us? The the Fury-Wilder fight did well, but probably it didn't reach that kind of 2 million number that Bob Arum was looking for and, you know, the big, big number. Do you think, the knowing what the Fury-Wilder fight did, do you think that did enough to make it still likely that we can get those two groups together? Well, you got to think the the biggest, the two biggest fights in the boxing, like in boxing right now, before AJ got the loss was Deontay Wilder against Anthony Joshua, Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence. Then was the two biggest fights to be made, you know, and not taking anything away from Wilder and Fury. It's just that, you know, I feel like, Spence Crawford was a way bigger fight than Fury Wilder. That's just mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And why? Because he said in front of me before, you know, uh, before the fight, you know, well, the, during the fight, he hit my seat was right behind Catacorder, right behind him, and his fight was in front of me, and I had tapped him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Turn around, like, see, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I just, you know, let him know, like, this is going to be us, you know what I mean? And, you know, and he, he was just like, man, I'm going I'm to I'm wash you. I was like, yeah, you got to get in the ring to do that first, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, it was just a little, you know, joke jokes between us two. What do you think of Fury Wilder? Oh, Fury put on a, a clinic, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know, if if Fury knock out Wilder, then it'll be a surprise. Same way Wilder winning the divi- I mean the decision, it'll be a surprise. But I told everybody, but the the main factor in that fight was Fury took Wilder's punch and got up. So I felt like Fury had the edge in the fight. Because mm-hmm. he's felt Wilder punching power before. He took it, you know, and he got he got up and won actually won that round in my eyes. Now, we all know Fury can box, you know, he can outbox him and do his thing. He's he got more skills and whatnot than Wilder, but nobody's seen, you know, Fury going in there and putting pressure on Wilder because nobody has ever done it, being that Wilder punched so hard. So he had a he had an excellent game plan and he executed it and you seen uh the results. Were you surprised he took the fight to Wilder like that, going right at him? I mean he, he guess he said all along that's how I'm gonna fight. No, I wasn't surprised because given that he put on that extra weight, you mm-hmm. know, um uh, I, I was like, oh yeah, he's for real. He's 
preparing his body to take what whatever punishment, you know, is going to be up against come fight night. And, you know, and he did what he said he was going to do. Do you think a third fight between those two guys will go any different? Man, it's it's kind of hard to say. Yeah, it's going to go different, but at this point in time right now, Fury is so confident in his ability and his his chin, his skills, and I don't see Wilder changing up too much of anything in this short period of time. You know, it takes years to get rid of bad habits. So I, I don't know how <laughs> I don't just I don't see it it changing anything because in my eyes Tyson Fury was winning the first fight. The fight with you and Spence is, as you said, massive whenever that happens. When you guys kind of talk to each other, do you put dates on it? Do you start saying like, all right, let's do this on February 2021? I mean, do you throw dates out there? Nah, nah, nah. nah. It's just <laughs> when, it, when it happens, it's happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> we, we, everybody wants that fight to happen. It's like it's like we can't put no dates on, on, on anything, <laughs> you know? Uh, we got to go to the networks and all that you gotta go to your your, your handlers. He get, he he's with Al Heyman. I'm with Bob Brown and Top Rank, and you know they gonna sit at the table, and we we gonna have to talk sooner or later. Do you get the sense from talking to him that like you know obviously he wants to come back fight, but uh, after that does he want you? I told him. I told him. He said he's going right into a fight with Danny Garcia or Pacquiao, or me or. I told him, like me personally, like don't come back trying to fight me <laughs> because that ain't the fight that you know you really want on your first fight to come back. Like you know, I wouldn't want to. I would. I wouldn't even take that fight, given if it was offered to me. I wouldn't take it because it's a lose lose situation for me. Mm. You know, but if you know uh, something was to happen and I knocked him out or I beat him up bad and they will say, oh, well, he's not the same Errol Spence. He's coming off a car accident and this and that and that and this. And then that would be the, that would never, never end for mm-hmm. my whole career. You know, even after my career, everybody would be talking about how I fought Errol Spence after he got the car accident and I didn't want to fight him before the car accident. That would be the, the story of the line. So um, I just want to see him back to the old Errol Spence that he used to be, and then you know uh, me and him gonna fight. So you're you're probably right. I mean, he him needed to get back in the ring first and beat somebody. You know that would take any doubt away from a, a fight with you. What it would mean. So yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to go. But if he does that, Terrence, what do you do in the, in the interim? And do you have do you have an idea in mind of what you want to do, who you want to fight, what weight you want to fight at? Well, you know, uh, my my manager and my coaches, you know, they threw out a lot of options for me, you know. Uh, so we got we got Kell Brook. We we got that fight if we want. Uh, we looking at fighting the uh, guy at one fifty four. Teixeira. Yeah. So uh, we got a few options that we can go to. Do any one of those excite you more than the other? Do they anyone get your blood flowing more than the other? Uh, not really. You know, uh, like I said, it's a fight. My blood always gonna be boiling. <laughs> you know, that's just the competitive nature and myself. Uh, but yeah, uh, you gotta you gotta fight what's in front of you. You mm-hmm. know, I never look uh, over any opponent or any fighter. Uh, so in my eyes, if that fight or any one of those fights was presented and made then that would just be the fight that I have in front of me. Do you always even keeled then? Like, even like your unification fights at 140, I mean, are you always the same way going into fights? Do you ever get, you know, picked up more for other ones? Uh, Yeah, you, of course you're going to get picked up for more. Like, my my undisputed fight, I was, like, on, like, 20, mm-hmm. you know, but my, my Victor Postal, I was on 20, you mm-hmm. know, but, like, my... Felix Diaz and John Molina, I was just like on like 12, 10, mm-hmm. you know, but 
at the same time, I train. I try to train harder in my present camp than my last camp. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that take away everything. Last question. Uh, Maury Sucker is your stable mate now. Um, he was supposed to fight in April against Regis Progray. Have you talked to him? I mean, how's he doing as far as, you know, staying as prepared as he can be? Well, yeah, we, we haven't talked uh, since he's been back home. I know he's with his family, and I've seen him in the gym. So, you know, maybe I'll give him a call today. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, Terrence, I appreciate it, man. Stay uh, stay healthy out there, and hopefully we get you back in the ring uh, real soon against against Errol Spence. We all need that fight, Terrence. We all need that fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.